I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. As we continue our chronological reading of the Gospels, today we'll be looking at passages in all four of the Gospels. The timing here is um, just the eve before the crucifixion. Jesus has been addressing the twelve on the eve of his crucifixion. That began back in John chapter 13. And in this passage, we'll see that they arrive in Gethsemane. And that's where Jesus was taken for trial and subsequent crucifixion. We'll be looking at the following passages, Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 56, Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 52, Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 53, and John chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. Now we have Jesus in the garden, and all four of the gospel writers report on this occasion. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with them Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went again the second time, and prayed, saying, O my father, this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done." And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Now over to Mark chapter 14 beginning with verse 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here, while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tear ye here and watch. And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, 
and take your rest. It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Now Luke has a shorter version of this night, beginning in verse 39 of Luke chapter 22. And he came out and went as he went to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at that place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them, about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Now John just gives this particular passage, this particular occasion, one verse. John 18, 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book of Kedron, where was a garden, into the which he entered, and his disciples. Jesus heads from the supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the first stop. You'll notice from John 18, 1, that this is not the same occasion in which Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. All the disciples went to the garden, but Matthew and Mark report that Jesus only took three of them, Peter, James, and John, closer to the place in the garden where he was going to be praying. It's worth noting here that these disciples could not remain awake while Jesus prayed. And these are disciples who, just a few hours earlier, they'd proclaimed that they'd be willing to die for Jesus if necessary. Yeah, but can you stay awake for Jesus? I think there's a lesson here. The test of discipleship is, first of all, obeying and following Jesus in the small things first. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the same comment by Jesus when he implies that the temptation to betrayal can be offset by prayer, not by sleeping. Many believers today are quick to declare the sacrifice that they're willing to make for the sake of Christ. Well, here's the question. Are you making the little sacrifices that demonstrate your love for Jesus right now? Peter, James, and John were admonished three times to watch and pray, but they failed to do so. Is it any surprise, therefore, that they were also unwilling to stand with Jesus during his trials later on that night? Now, here's a question. If Jesus is God, and of course he is, then why is he praying? Well, the answer is to be found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Here's what those verses say. But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. At this point in time, Jesus had emptied himself of his attributes of deity. He communicated with God in heaven just as we do. The subject of the prayer is this. Is there a way to redeem the world without dying on the cross? Well, the answer to that is a resounding no. It's an intense prayer to the point that Luke, the physician, he records this. 
His sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Luke's reference to blood here must mean that the sweat dripping from Jesus was in such quantity that it was similar to blood dripping from a wound. Yet the disciples slept through the whole ordeal. A couple of more observations are interesting here. John gives no detail regarding the prayer activities in Gethsemane. In fact, he was one of the sleepers in the garden. Perhaps he did not witness very much there at all. Luke, on the other hand, is the only one to report that an angel came down and ministered to Jesus there during his prayer. Luke received his eyewitness account from one or more of the disciples at a later date. Apparently, all of the disciples could see Jesus praying inasmuch as Luke reports that they were only uh, stones cast away. Peter, James, and John, of course, they were closer. By the way, we've seen Jesus gather these three disciples together for special events before. A year or so earlier, when Jesus went to the house of Jairus to resurrect his daughter, back in Matthew chapter 9, Mark 5, Luke 8, he only allowed these three of his disciples to accompany him into the house. Then again, at the transfiguration in Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9, only these three of Jesus' disciples were allowed to witness that miracle. It's obvious that these three men had been selected for Jesus' leadership team among the disciples. Well, then the temple crowd shows up in the next passages of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 to 50, Mark chapter 14, verses 43 to 46, Luke chapter 22, verses 47 and 48, and John chapter 18, verses 2 through 9. First, Matthew chapter 26, 47. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Now Mark's account in Mark 14, verse 43. And immediately while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him, and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him, and took him. Now from Luke's perspective, in Luke chapter 22, verse 47. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them, and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Now over to John, John chapter 18, verse 2. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? 
They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he, and Judas also which betrayed him stood with him. As soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Well, in this passage, John identifies the crowd in John 18.3 when he says, Judas, then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with the lanterns and torches and weapons. We see in John 18.2 that Judas anticipated that Jesus would go there because he'd done so on previous occasions. You may recall from Luke chapter 22, verses 3 through 6, that the agreement with Judas was that he was to take them to a spot where Jesus would be kind of off from the multitude so they could take him without notice of the common people. This isolated location in the garden was that opportunity. Well, quite a crowd shows up to capture Jesus. John records a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Matthew and Mark record them as a great multitude with swords and staves. This angry crowd is taking no chances. Judas does the betraying, but John records that Jesus freely and openly acknowledges that he's the one for whom they are looking. John records that Jesus shields the other disciples from danger in verses 8 and 9. He notes that Jesus did so in order to fulfill his own previous words found in John chapter 17, verse 12, when he prayed, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Both Matthew and Mark report that Judas addresses Jesus as master, the Greek word there being rabbi. This was a general title of respect and honor frequently used to acknowledge a person's accomplishment in interpreting the Jewish scriptures. Matthew records in verse 50 that Jesus addresses Judas when he says, Friend, wherefore art thou come? The friend that's used to characterize Jesus' reference to Judas here is not the usual word philos, used for friend indicating affection between two people. Instead, Jesus refers to Judas as hetarios, which simply means comrade or associate. We should observe that while all the disciples of Jesus did flee from Jesus that night, Jesus did encourage them to do so in John chapter 18, verse 8 when he says, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. That brings us to the confrontation there in the garden. We'll be looking at Matthew 26, verses 51 to 56, Mark 14, 47 to 52, Luke 22, 49 to 53, and John 18, 10 through 12. First, Matthew 26, 51. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? 
But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That thus it must be. In that same hour, said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as a, against a thief with swords and stays for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now over to Mark chapter 14, verse 47. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now over to Luke chapter 22, verse 49. When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple, and the elders which were come to him, Be come out as against a thief with swords and staves? When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Now over to John chapter 18, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Well, Judas here does the betrayal deed. But Peter takes a sword and lops off the ear of the high priest's servant Malchus. In verse 10 of John 18, Jesus returns the ear to its place and declares that his betrayal and capture are part of the divine plan. It's curious that only John records the actual name of the ear lopper and the ear loppy, for that matter. Matthew chapter 26, verse 56 is an eye-opener regarding Jesus' disciples, the ones who'd earlier proclaimed that they would die for Jesus. Here's what that verse says. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Mark says the same thing in verse 50 of Mark chapter 14. It's just most interesting to note that Matthew makes reference to himself, he was one of the disciples, when he records these words in verse 56. And then here's that angry mob. Jesus points out to them that um, it's not necessary for them to come with overwhelming force. I mean, they came out with swords and staves. Only Matthew makes a point to link Jesus' passive surrender to Old Testament prophecy when he says in verse 56, But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. David, Isaiah, and others, they'd recorded prophecies concerning the suffering Messiah. There was just no other way. We should take notice of the fact that uh, Peter was willing to fight to the death with Jesus. The sword ear incident demonstrates that. Peter wasn't, however, prepared to passively stand there and just surrender. Add to that the fact that Jesus requests that his disciples be allowed to leave without harm 
in John chapter 18, verse 8. You can see why Peter's denial at this point wasn't such a glaring incident. Not here, not now. However, later that night, when Jesus was on trial before Annas and Caiaphas, that's where Peter does make his infamous denial of Jesus that has caused him to be set apart from the other disciples. Incidentally, uh, a certain young man, the man referenced uh, Mark 14, 51 and 52, is only found really in these two verses. So why did Mark only include this incident without explanation? Many have conjectured that Mark is referring to himself there. Really, there's just no way of knowing for certain. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton. 